Davises are moving back up. And so, <laughs> and uh, they're just here for Mother's Day. And it's a blessing to have them back with us and the kids. All right, here as we are in our passage of Scripture this morning, uh, in the book of Exodus, we, we look at an event that deals with a mom and a dad and a baby, a family, in a very rough situation. I don't know about you, when I turn the news on, it makes me nervous about the condition that our kids are going to grow up in. It makes me nervous. I look at what is transpiring. I think about my grandkids. I think about your children. I, I look at what is going on, and it just makes me uh, very unsettled in the environment, the world that they are growing up in. And the world has changed. It has always been sinful. There has always been darkness. But we have seen a drastic turn in America. It's drastic. And that makes me nervous. And as I started looking at uh, the, the situations of, uh, of what our parents are facing, Sunday night we are doing a series on the home, and the whole reason is because of uh, the environment that our children are being, they're growing up in. We've got to make sure that we are doing everything that we can to raise them uh, and protect them and prepare them for the world that they are living in. Not shelter them from the world, but to prepare them. Because there's coming a time where they are going to be in this world uh, and making decisions. So we want to make sure that we are helping them uh, be prepared for that. But it's a hard time for a sinner. And I started looking at it, and I started mulling through different events in Scripture. You know what I found was? It's always been hard. It's always been hard. And moms, today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a look from almost a dark side of pressure to help you see that it's not as bad as it has been. Sometimes looking at what we are not experiencing helps us to see, okay, they went through that, I can get through this. And so as I, as I prepared for this, I thought, man, we're going to have all these moms here. I don't want them walking away being depressed. But I want you to know my heart, I want you to see that though it's hard right now to raise a family, it's always been hard. It's always been hard. And that's the title of the message this morning. Father, I pray that you'd help us as we open your word, as we teach it, preach it. I pray that uh, you would be glorified, uh, our people would be helped. And Lord, if there's one that does not know you, may today be the day that they are born into your family. And so work now, please, for Christ's sake. Amen. It's always been hard. It's always been hard. Uh, moms, it's always been hard to be a mom. Man, alive. I look at what you moms do, and I think, I am so glad I'm not a mom. <laughs> and there's 
should be just a a uh, recognition of that from all the men. Just praise the Lord. Uh, and uh, moms, it's, it is not easy to be a mom. And you have you have a job that may be a hard job, but it is a job that is also a very fulfilling job. You know, we we see these guys that uh, end up making it big. Maybe it's in uh, in the uh, football or uh, baseball, and they get interviewed, and uh, mom never threw one ball to them. Uh, Dad was the one throwing the ball and practices and all that. And what do they say? Hi, Mom. <laughs> There's just something about Mom, and, and that is just how it is. But uh, it's always been hard. I want you to look again at our scripture as we looked at it this morning, Exodus chapter 1, verse 22. Uh, and Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born you shall cast into the river. And every uh, daughter you shall save alive. And there went out a man of the house of Levi and took a wife of the daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him, that he was a goodly child, she, she hid him three months. And when she could not longer hide him, she took him, uh, took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein. And she laid it in the flags by the river's brink. Think about this. Here you have this uh, godless king that makes a decree. The 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 uh, Israelites are multiplying, and now as they are there in Egypt, Pharaoh comes out and says, "Every Hebrew that has a baby, if it's a if it's a male child, if it's a little boy baby, uh, the midwives were commanded to throw the baby into the river." Can you imagine? Unbelievable. And yet we have a couple, after this command is already made, they get married. They get married. I'm just going to go ahead and say it again. They get married. All right? And then they have a baby. All right? And so now they get married and they have a baby. They chose to have a child even though they knew what the command was. Even though they knew the pressure that they were going to face. And uh, it's always been hard. And so, number one, I want you to see, it's always been hard. Social and political oppression. It's always been hard. Here... We think the political environment right now is harsh in America, and it is. And the promotion of abortion is there. It is everywhere. The demeaning and demoralizing of life, it is there. It's always been hard. You know, if, you're, if you choose to raise a family and have a child... It's going to be hard. There is going to be opposition. Uh, I remember when Deb and I first, when we, or when we got married, uh, we were married for uh, about three years before we had David, and uh, and we did not have insurance. We were in college, and when she went in uh, to the doctor, they they said, "Well, you don't have any insurance," and she said, "No. Well, if you will divorce him, we will pay for the baby." 
answered like she didn't. But sometimes it is, you don't have enough money to have a baby. You don't have the support to have a baby. This baby is going to be an inconvenience. You know, the social world that we live in, the political world that we live in, there are going to be people that are against children being born. It is against the family. It is against the family. And it's hard. But let me tell you, aren't you glad somebody went through the hard days so you could be here? Amen. And if we waited to have children till we could afford to have children, Mrs. Brown and I would just be starving. I mean, when you, when you have children, it is when you are the dumbest and when you are the brokest. And I don't know if either one of those are real words, but, but the reality is uh, we, you don't wait for everything to be just perfect and the political environment. Uh, it's going to be hard to do what's right. And it's going to be hard maybe to raise a family in the political realm uh, that we are living in. But mom, uh, you can do it. You can do it. Uh, you can. Uh, why? Because others have. Uh, and we have been the ones that have enjoyed the blessings of that. Uh, what do we see happen? We see how God miraculously worked and Moses came on the scene. Isn't it amazing how God can use such an unbelievably evil time to raise up Moses? The one that is going to, God's going to give the the Pentateuch to, and uh, the, the first five books, the law. Uh, God is going to use him to lead his people. Uh, I'm glad that, uh, uh, that Jochebed uh, and Amram were willing uh, to go through and, and have the child. Uh, it's always been hard, social and political oppression. It's always been hard. Uh, national uncertainty. National uncertainty. Daniel chapter 1. In Daniel chapter 1, we read about a time where there was a world power, a conquering uh, king by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. In Daniel chapter 1, we find him uh, besieging uh, Jerusalem and, uh, and taking uh, 586 B.C. We start finding how there were deportations of, uh, of the Hebrew young men, and they were taking them as slaves. They were taking them uh, to go into Babylon. Uh, and with them, uh, they took the goodliest, uh, many of them, uh, and they separated them out, and they took uh, a group of young men by the name of Daniel and Hananiah and Azariah and Mishael. And we see these four Hebrew boys and many others. But these, these four boys, they left the mama. They were taken from their homeland. I can't imagine what that mama had to feel like. Seeing her child taken away by a heathen army. 
There were no texts that could go out. No FaceTime. No way to stay connected. And now this mama sees her her child, her her son, and and many moms see their sons taken away. Uh, some of them uh, have been killed, and and all of the events that took place. It was a time of national uncertainty, and uh, and the pressures that they faced uh, when they were going through that. Uh, and and. Uh, uh, Daniel chapter 1, verse 1, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem, and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels unto the treasure house of his God. And the king spake to as the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish, well-favored, skillful in all wisdom, cunning. So here they're, they're choosing some of these young men. Uh, verse 6, Now among these were of the children of Judah, Han, uh, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names, for he gave unto Daniel the name of Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, uh, of Meshach and the Azariah of Abednego, uh, and Dan- but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat. What do we find here? We find that even in a time of uh, of national uncertainty and a time of war, we see that these moms they raise their sons to do right. And even after they were taken away, and even after they were abused, and even after these events had changed and transformed their lives, and the trauma that these young men experienced, we still see that they chose to do right. You know why? Because there was a mama at home that was praying. There was a mama that was at home that had taught. A mama that had taken the opportunities uh, to invest and to teach and to train those children so they knew what to do uh, when they were on their own. And it may have been, uh, it may have been before they were expecting, yet it was purposeful. You see, it's always been hard. Social and political oppression, national uncertainty, times of Economic uncertainty, number four. Economic uncertainty. In First Kings, take your Bibles and go there with me. First Kings chapter seventeen. We won't read the whole chapter here, but in this chapter we find an event where there was a mom who had faced some very major economic, financial pressure. This this lady, she was a widow. And now, after she has lost her husband, she is now raising a child by herself. There was no such thing as welfare. There was no Social Security. There was no government support that was going to come alongside. But this lady was in a bad place. Look at verse number 8. The 
Bible says, Then the word of the Lord came unto him, talking about Elisha the prophet, saying, Arise and get thee unto Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman uh, there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and he came into the gate of the city. Uh, the woman was there gathering sticks. And he called her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a, in a vessel that I, I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it, for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. What do we find here? We find Elijah the prophet. He comes in and he says to this widow, Hey, can you get me something to eat? She says, Listen, I don't have anything to give you. I've got a little bit of meal, a little bit of oil, a couple sticks. I'm going to try to get a fire going. I'm going to bake up this little bit of bread and then we're going to die. We have nothing else left. The preacher looked at her and said, well, give me something first. But what we find is Elijah was told by God just previously that he had a widow woman that was going to sustain him. A famine was there. Now, Elijah, he trusted God. Amen. And he knew God would keep his word. I just about did it. Every week, somebody will say, Pastor, I thought you were going over. I just about thought, I thought I was going over there. But this, this prophet, he trusted God. He knew that if God was going to have her sustain him, that God had to sustain her. And so God, uh, so Elijah's faith was, uh, it wasn't just presumptuous that he was saying, well, take care of me first. It was, no, God had said he was going to meet my needs and it was through her. So God was going to supply the needs that she had. And what do we find out? We find that God does supply. And that, that barrel of meal, uh, it did not go empty. And that, that cruise of oil, it did not run dry. Why? Because God was meeting those needs. And let me tell you, Mama, uh, you might find yourself in a time where it is tough and the, the cupboards might seem bare. Let me tell you, there's a God in heaven that can take care of you. There's a God in heaven that can meet those needs. And uh, when you find yourself in that spot, it, it might be hard. But it's always been hard. It's always been hard. There have been people down through the ages. Uh, we think about all of the economic blessings that we have as Americans. Every single day of the week, we have people coming up here for food. Just this month, so far this month, in the last, oh, in the last 30 days, we have, we have put out over... 1,500 meals. You know, God, we are so blessed. 
job means to our needs. Our school just uh, last month, we had a fundraiser. And it was a fundraiser with a mission theme. And uh, with that fundraiser, uh, it allowed, we, we were able to be a part of purchasing and preparing and packaging 10,000 meals that we sent to Haiti. What a blessing. And we have so much gratitude. It's always been home. There are places all around the world that would love to be in our place. People that would just love to be sitting in the situation that, they, that we are in. Having the security that we have. The bounty that we get to enjoy. But it's always been hard. And single mom and uh, this single mom and a, a little boy, she was uh, she was trying to meet these needs, and and God was there for her. Fourthly, number number four, and lastly, a time of moral debauchery. It was an evil. It has been evil in the past. When Elisha was the prophet, Second Kings chapter 6, we read of the events of the Syrian army coming. And the Syrian army comes and besieges the city. And this is an, another event. And in this time, during this seizure, people were so hungry, they were giving 80 pieces of silver for a donkey's head. You know, I've slaughtered a lot of animals over the years, hunting and then raising and raised animals. And, you know, I never went to looking at that head thinking, how much meat is there here? Praise the Lord, I've never been that hungry. Eighty pieces of silver. It was... It was five pieces of silver for a quarter of a cab, cab of dung. Cab was between one and two quarts and a quarter of that. So here you've got, whether it was one or two cups of dove dung that people were buying to eat. It got so bad that the moms were eating their children. In 2 Kings 6, we read the event of how two moms conspired together and one mom said to the other, we'll boil your son today and eat him and then tomorrow we'll boil my son. I can't even fathom having a conversation about it. But yet it took place. And those two moms, they boiled the first mom child. And then the second mom, she hit her child. But to even be a part of something so evil. 
You know, as bad as America is today, we're not saved. We're not saved. And it's always been bad. And today, as we look around, we can see all of the evil that is going on. But we're not in that place. You know, America has been blessed by God. You know, we think about God blessed America. And He has. And our nation, though we have tried to remove Him from from our nation, we've tried to remove Him from our schools, we've tried to remove Him as much as we can out of the government. Uh, And it's amazing. Uh, You take the Bible out of the schools, but we give the Bible to those that are in prison. I said that to one of our corrections officers down here at Yuba County, and he's like, you're right. We do. You remove God, you remove a vestige of righteousness. And every man begins to do that which is right in their own eyes. And when there is no God, there is no authority, then I can choose for myself what's good and what's bad. And what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. And it has always been bad. But we as Americans, we have been given so much. And our country was built on Judeo-Christian beliefs. And the the rules of law have been taken uh, from uh, those, those tenets of Scripture. And that's why we have been blessed. And we get to enjoy that. But as they are removed, we see how America is decaying and declining. You know what we need? We need some money. We need some moms that are just going to stand for righteousness. We need some moms that are going to raise their children for God. We need some homes that are going to be strong. Why? Because there are those that are coming after us, and we need to to change the tide uh, that is sliding away so fast. Uh, And just uh, just having uh, the truths of Scripture and the principles of Scripture, it brings blessing. I've said this over the years, obedience brings blessing. We follow God, we're blessed. We follow the tenets of Scripture, the principles of God's Word, we are the one that wins. God has been so good to us. Mom, you've got a hard job. You've got a hard job. Some of you moms are grandmas and great-grandmas and great-great-grandma. But no matter what, that job is still not done. There are still those that need to be influenced. You are still needed in our life. And I pray that God will help you. No matter how hard the times get, but that you will be the mom that God wants you to be. Those kids are depending on you. Those of you that have yet to have children, you might have a hard hard job coming up, but it's always been hard. The Bible tells us, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Always 
Father, I do pray that you'd help us this morning. You know the needs of each heart, and uh, Lord, we thank you for uh, the moms that are here and uh, those that we get to honor. And Lord, some are already in heaven and have passed on before. Uh, but Lord, we thank you for their influence in our lives. And I pray that uh, you would help us today uh, to just uh, uh, make the most of each one of those memories and those that still have an opportunity uh, to honor and to, uh, to thank and to love on. I pray that uh, we would be able to do that with the moms uh, that you have given to us. And now I pray that you would work in the hearts. You know the needs of each person. And if there's one here that does not have you as their Savior, I pray today that they would trust you. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Nobody's looking around. You say, Pastor, I am a child of God. I have been saved. I, there was a time in my life when I was born again. And you say, Pastor, that's me this morning. Uh, I'm saved today. Just lift your hand up as a testimony to the Lord. Amen. Amen. All around the auditorium, you can put your hands down. Maybe you're here this morning and say, Pastor, I'm unsure. I don't know. I was born into this world, but I don't know about this born again thing. I don't know if I died, I'd go to heaven. I'm concerned about it. I won't come to you. I won't embarrass you, but I'd like to pray for you. Is there anyone like that this morning? Pastor, pray for me. I'm unsure of my eternal destiny. Destiny. Just put your hand up. Let me pray for you today. Pastor, pray for me. Just put your hand up. Anyone? I see your hand. Yes, yes, I see your hand. You can put it down. Anybody else? Pastor, I'm unsure of my eternal destiny. I, I don't know if I died, I'd go to heaven. I'm concerned about it. Just put your hand up. Hey, just raise your hand. Just be two that raise your hand, if you would. Just look at me real quick. You know, you, you said you're unsure. Here in just a moment, we're going to have an invitation, and I'm going to have some people right down front. I want you to just step out and come down, and let's take the Bible and see what God has to say about you going to heaven. All right? You don't have to say anything. You don't have to get up in front of anybody, uh, but that will help you see what God says about you going to heaven. And if someone else, if you didn't raise your hand, and you should have, that opportunity is for you as well. Father, you know the, the needs of each person. You see the hands that were raised, and... Uh, those that were not and should have been, I pray that you'd work now. And this invitation, uh, may you be glorified, please. For Christ's sake we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as the instruments play. If the Lord spoke to your heart this morning, you respond. Maybe it's just coming and thanking the Lord for your mom. Maybe as a mom coming and asking for the Lord's help as you endeavor to be the parent that God wants you to be.